Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Today's daf, Maseches Bavakam, is daf Yud Aleph. As is Hashem, we're starting the last line of Yudim with Bayes. We're going to have three sections in today's daf. First section, the Gemara is going to attempt to make this idea of Chas Nevele into a Machlaikes, which will be refuted and we'll see. Second section, will discuss that concept of keeping the broken item as it regards to a Goslin, a Ganev, and a Shoel. And then the third idea we're going to talk about today is six more halachas as stated by Ula Amar Belazar. As Hashem, let's get started. The last line of Yudim with Beis. Just to remember, we left off yesterday talking about this idea of Pchas Nevela. Pchas Nevela, we deduced from Sukkim that if the Mazik's ox kills the ox of the Nizak, so the Nizak needs to keep the ox that was killed as part of the payment, and he keeps it at the value it was when it was killed, not at the value that it was later when there was the court case for the mazik to pay, and the detriment that, inc- that happened in between, the decreased value, is absorbed by the nizak. And then the mazik is mashlim, the rest of that. So what the Gemara is going to try to suggest now, perhaps this is actually subject to a machlokas. So it says the Gemara, Let us assume this idea is really a machlokas tanoim. And we're going to try to show perhaps there's a tana who holds the mazik has to keep that nevela and pay full value. So Tanya, as the Brisa explains, the Pasuk tells us by Shomer Sachar, it's in Parshas Mishpatim, um, like we said yesterday. Pasuk says, in Tarof Yitarev Yevi'ehu Eid. So the Pasuk says, regarding a Shomer Sachar, we'll see there's two ways to read this, but if it's torn up, so then he should bring a witness. So Tanakama understands, learns Yidalef Muralef, Yavi Eidim Shenitrufa Ba'ainasu Pater. Tanakama learns the Pasuk simple, which is that the Shomer Sachar claims that the animal he was watching was, was killed, Ba'ones. So he brings witnesses that it was Ba'ones killed, and then he's exempt. Abba Shol learns the Pasuk differently. He says, Yavi adu He learns A doesn't mean witnesses. Rather, it means he brings the nevela. Aduda means the carcass to Bezdin, and it's evaluated. That's the Brisa. Abishol interprets the verse. He's not talking about when an onus happened, but rather he was posheya, he was negligent, and therefore he's responsible, as the mazik in this case, to pay back the owner of the animal, the nizak. And the way Abishol interprets it is he should bring the carcass to court for it to be evaluated, and then he'll pay the difference. So Rashi explains over here, if it was evaluated based on its value in Bezdin, meaning later at the payments, so what does it need to be evaluated for? Of course, meaning essentially... He would be able to pay the nizak with carcasses like we mentioned yesterday. So it must be, it's evaluated actually at the time that he was, it was originally killed. And the idea is, as we're about to explain, that the position of Abishol is that the nizak needs to absorb the pchas nevela, the detriment or the decreased value from the time it was killed to the time that the court case took place, which means the nizak needs to absorb that loss. So my love says the Gemara Bahakamiflagi, this seems to be the basis of debate. Now Tanakama, who doesn't learn that way, is to speak this out, because he holds Bidimazik, meaning that the Mazik has to absorb the Khasnabela and pay back in full essentially. So the Psukim then wouldn't be highlighting that you estimate the value because that doesn't make a difference. He just keeps the item and then pays back in full. So it must be what's the machlokis then? Bakamifli, Demar Savar, that Abishol holds, there's this estimation that's necessary when he's responsible to pay. Because Prasnavel Denizak, because Adanizak has to absorb that Prasnavela. So we have to know how much it was originally worth so that the Mazik. 
Nazik doesn't actually have to pay that decreased value that's absorbed by the Nizak. Havai. Umar Savar and the Tanakama who argues doesn't learn that way because the Mazik Havai. He learns that the Mazik has to absorb Chastavela, i.e. he keeps the carcass and pays in full. So therefore it's not talking about estimating value because that doesn't make a difference. He keeps whatever the item is and then pays back in full. That's why he learns of shot in the Pasuk is where he's an onus and he's exempt by bringing witnesses. Says the Gemara, Lo Really, everybody agrees that Nizak has to absorb the Pchas Nevela like we mentioned yesterday. And he'll have to take the hit. The, the debate here between Tanakama and Abishaul is who has to put the effort to bring that Nevela to court? Meaning, the Tanakama holds that it is the Nizak's responsibility to bring that animal to court. And therefore, in this case, the owner of the animal, not the Shomer, would have to go and schlep it to court. Whereas Abashol holds with the Mazik, means the Mazik is responsible, so he has to go. That's the emphasis of the Pasuk. He has to schlep that animal to court, whatever efforts that takes, in order to estimate it, and then he'll be able to relinquish himself or release himself of whatever the Pchas Nevela is in the payment. So the Gemara says, Vatanya, and there's a Braisa, the Nichusa, that supports this idea that there's a Shita, which we're going to say is like Abashol here, that the Mazik is responsible to bring that carcass to court. Because Vatanya Acherim, Acherim say, Acherim Lachar is your mayor. How do we know that it's the owner of the pit, the damager, the mazik, who has to bring the ox that fell in out of the pit to court to estimate its value? Now we're putting the comma in the wrong place, but the way you read it, Alpidas Drasha, is he has to pay back money to the owner, and also Vames, he also has to pay back the animal itself, the dead animal, meaning he has to bring it to court to evaluate it. What is the case of Tareach Nevela? Meaning, what is the scenario that Abishol, as Acherim understands, the Pasuk would be teaching us the Mazik is responsible to bring it to court? So, if the scenario is when it's in the pit, in the place that it was damaged, it's only worth one Zuz because it's not accessible. If it was at the edge of the pit, it means out of the pit, it would be worth four because it's accessible. So the Gemara says, why do we need a Pasuk then to teach me according to Abishol that the Mazik has to do it? Of course he has to do it because he's essentially saving himself money. By bringing it out, now he brings it to court and what he's accomplishing now is that he doesn't have to pay as much because the Pchas Nevela is absorbed by the Nizak. Of course he's going to pay for that. Of course it's his responsibility. I don't need a Pasuk to teach me that. So said back, The case would be where it's worth one zuz in the pit and it's worth one zuz at the edge of the pit. So now there's no actual expenditure to take it out, it's just the physical labor. So this is the machlaikis who's responsible to take it out. says the Gemara, is there such a case that when it's less accessible and it's equally accessible and it's uh, more accessible, it's the same value? The Gemara says, yeah, we do find this. The Ha'amri Inchi, because people say, a beam in the, in the town, he's near the people, is a zuz, and a beam in the uh, outskirts, in the forest, in the field, is also worth a zuz. means there is such a scenario that exists, and therefore the machlokas really between them is not, but the mizak, who absorbs the pchas nevela. Everyone agrees the nizak absorbs the pchas nevela. Machlokas is just who has to schlep the animal out of the pit, go through that effort. And the Gemara moves on to the second section now. As we've shown, when it comes to nizakin, damages, so we said the nizak has to accept the dead animal as part of the payment. Gemara now moves on to discuss other cases and tries to understand 
would other scenarios also require the damaged party to absorb the broken or less valuable item as part of the payment? We don't estimate its value and force the nizak to absorb the damaged item when it comes to a ganav or a gazlan only for nizakin. That's what Shmuel says. Meaning, if someone stole an item from another, the ganav will keep the stolen item if it decreased in value regardless of what happened, and he'll have to pay back the full value of the item that he stole. Taisvah says the reason this is different than Nizakin is because it says Asher Gazal. Gazal. You have to return it as it was in its intact state. The full value, and therefore you're not allowed to give back the broken or less significant item if it decreased in value in the house of the Gan or the Gazal. That is the Minog Seshmuel. Continues the Gemar, Shmuel statement. But I say Seshmuel, for a Shoyal it's the same thing. One of the Shoyalim is called a Shoyal, he's a borrower. If he borrows something, and an event happens causing him to be chayef to pay back, so he would also have the same halacha. And there's two ways to understand this, which the Gemara is going to query in a moment. But Shmuel first finishes off. He says, And Abba, which refers to Rav, he admits to me about this as well. So Gemara says, When Shmuel says, Af shayel, meaning Shoyal is the same thing, what is he referring to? Did he mean to say, that also regarding a shoyal, it's the same as nizakin, and Rav agrees to me, that the shoyal can pay as the mazik, he could pay the nizak with the damaged item or the killed item and pay the rest of it, but he can get off with that, meaning the af is referring back to the similarity to nizakin. Or perhaps what Shmuel was saying was, is that shoyal is the same as Ganav and Gazlan, and he has to keep the mazik, or the, the shoyal has to keep that item and he has to pay back in full, just like Ganav and Gazlan, but Abba Maidali and Rav agrees to me about that. There's two ways to interpret this statement. So Tashma, the Gemara brings a proof from a story that happened with Rav. There was a fellow who borrowed an axe from his friend. Tavr, the axe broke. Okay, so he's chayef to pay back. So this Shoyal came in front of Rav. He said, uh, Rav said to the Shoyal, Zil shlim go pay him a full narga, a full axe. Meaning, you have to keep the axe, the broken axe, and you have to pay him back, or in this context, the full value of the axe. You see regarding Shoyal, the opinion of Rav is that we don't force the, the owner of that item to accept it as part of the payment, but rather the Shoyal has to accept it. And if Shmuel says, Rav agrees to me, so that's what Shmuel is saying as well, it's really, it's like Ganav and Gazlan that he has to pay in full. Says the Gemara, but that's not a good raya because look at the end of the story, Adarabha. It should be the opposite. Because after Rav commented that the Mazik should have to keep it or the Shoyal should have to keep it, Rav Kanav Ravasi said back to Rav, Dina Hachi, is this the rule? It's not true. The Shoyal, has to actu- the Shoyal actually has the ability to give the broken axe as part of the payment and the owner of it has to absorb the pchas, the detriment that occurred. Veshasik, and when Rav heard that, he was quiet. So it seems Rav actually agreed to that statement of Ravasi and Rav Kahana. And Amelif Shmuel was saying that Shoyal is the same, it must be he was saying it's the same like Nizakin, where the Nizak actually has to absorb that loss. So Shmamin Shaman, actually we do see Shaman. That would be the, the position of Shmuel and Rav. Now the Gemara moves on in terms of the Psaq. So it says the Gemara Itmar. We have Machlekes regarding Ganav and Gazlan. Amar Ula Amar Abelazar. Now we're introducing this Ula Amar Abelazar, which will be important for the next section, because we'll have six other Psaqim as said by these opinions. 
So Ulam Rabbi Lazar says, Shaman Laganavulagazlan, not like we said in Shmuel above, actually, Shaman Laganavulagazlan, meaning when it comes to a Ganav and a Gazlan, unlike Shmuel above who said in Shaman, meaning that the Mazik has to keep the broken item, the less valuable item. So he argues and he says, Shaman Laganavulagazlan. Actually, the the, nig, the Nignav, the one who was stolen, would have to accept it as part of the payment. Rapapi Yomer ain't Shaman. Rapapi says, ain't Shaman means the Mazik has to accept it like Shmuel above. Behilchasa ain't Shaman, like the Ganav, like the Gazan. Allah is ain't Shaman, like Rapapi and like, like Shmuel. That ain't Shaman, it does not have to be accepted by the uh, Nigzal or the, the Nignav, the person who was stolen from, and the Mazik has to keep it and pay in full. Avalashoyel Shaman Kedrev Kahana Beravasi. But as Rav Kahana and Rav Asi challenged Rav, and Rav seemed to agree, for a shoyal it would be like Nizakin in this case, that there would be this concept of chas nevela where the owner of that item would have to accept it back at its de- decreased value. He would have to accept it in its uh, broken way, and that would be part of the payment, and the shoyal would have to pay back the difference. Moving on now to the third section. Now that we introduced Ulam Arbelazer regarding these halachas of this concept of the nizak accepting something the, as part of the payment, we move on to a series of six more statements made by Ula Amar Belazer. Now, this first one we're going to start with, it deals with a woman who becomes temeya upon childbirth. So the halacha is, woman gives birth, normal situation. Um, the halacha is, she becomes temeya for seven days, for if it's a boy, and then another, four, another 33, which is called metahara, where she's permitted to her husband, but she's not yet permitted in consumption of certain uh, holy items, and then she brings Karbanas at the end, fine. If then it's in a cave that she gives birth to, the same thing, it's just 14 and 66 instead of 7 and 33. Now, what we're going to deal with over here is a scenario where a woman has a miscarriage or births an amniotic sac. Now, really, the halacha would be the moment most of it emerges, or most of the child, or in this case, the amniotic sac emerges, she will begin to become temeya. That's when her tumma should start. This tumma is important for two points, which is if she touches taharis, they become tameh. And also, if it's for a boy or a girl, it'll be seven days or 14 days, she'll be prohibited to her husband. But now, as follows. We're going to deal with a situation where that amniotic sac emerges and there's no baby inside, unfortunately. Now, we assume, that's the assumption the Gemara is about to make, that Ulam or is going to make, is that the baby dissolved, but it really was there. So when the majority of that sac emerges, the amniotic sac, she'll become tameh. Her tumma will start. So, if part of that amniotic sac emerged on the first day, and part of it emerged on the second day. So, we don't know necessarily when the majority of it emerged, causing the Tumma to start. So, she begins counting her days of Tumma from the first day, which means if she touches a tahar, a tahar thing on the first day, something like that, it would be metame that item. Okay? Gemara says, Amarli Rava, Rava said back to Ulam Arbalazar, Madaitech, Lechumra, you're trying to be Lechumra. You're trying to say, even though we don't know necessarily that the majority of the amniotic sac emerged on the first day, or Machmir, so as to say, if she touches something that's tar on the first day, it already would become Tameh. The problem is, this is the Chumra that will lead to a leniency, because if you say for certain it begins on day one, to come into Harris Lamirishon, she'll become pure at the end to her husband on the 14th day, but really it should be the 15th day, because maybe her Toma began on the second day. Rather, Rava says, means, what it means to say, what Ulam Rabbi means to say is, we'll be concerned, meaning 
what we'll say is, is that we're chayshish, it began on the first day, that majority of that sack emerged on the first day. But in terms of the days of her tahara, until she becomes pure, since we, again, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, so she'll have to wait the full 14, but she'll have to wait till the 15th day to be permitted to her husband again, because we don't know if her tahara began the first day or the second. Now the Gemara wonders, my Kamash Malin, what is the Chiddush of Ula Amar Velazar? L'chari the Chiddush is, Ve'en miktsas shilya b'loi vlad that a shilya will not emerge partially without part of a child being inside of it. That was dissolved, obviously. And Rashi explains, the reason it has to be that's what the Chiddush is, is because if he held that Niksas shilya could be beloivlad, so really there's only one suffix over here. The one suffix we have is, in a scenario where this partial uh, fetus emerges, sorry, we would have two sveikas then. Meaning, if it's not for certain that a fetus, the part of the amniotic sac could emerge with the child in it, so then essentially we have two sphecus. One suffix would be maybe it didn't come out with a ba like the baby inside, maybe it did. And the other is maybe it didn't come out in majority and maybe it did. So then it would be a sphex fake. We wouldn't be machmir so much like Ulamar Belazar said. So it must be what Ulamar Belazar really is saying is the ein mekzas shilya belayvlat is that you know for certain there's part of a child and the only shaila is was it majority that's mitamahor or not. So is that the chiddush of Belazar, Ulamar Belazar? But Tanina, we learned in Mishim Meseches Chulin that already illustrates this. So we have the halacha regarding a ben pakua. The halacha is, is that if you slaughter a cow and there's a baby inside of it, the baby is considered shechted as well. Now, if part of the child emerged, the baby emerged before the shechita, so that becomes problematic, it's not included under the shechita. And the halacha says as follows, in Chulin. Shilya shiyatsta mikzasa, if part of the shilya emerged, this the amniotic sac, asura ba'achila, it's prohibited in achila, it's not permitted to, through that shechita. Simen vlad be'isha, simen vlad be'behema, because part of the simen of childbirth is when the amniotic sac emerges by a woman, as well as by behema, and therefore it's not included under the shechita. But the point is, you see what the Mishnah in Chulin is telling us is that it will be considered not part of the animal in that regard in the shechita, because simen vlad be'isha, simen vlad be'behema. So l'chari, you see, ein mikzash shilya b'loi vlad, it's the same yisod. So what's the chiddush then of Ulam Abelazar? Mora says, "You must listen, Hava Amina." If you only had a mission in Chulin, I would have said, "Turn to Dalit Mudbeis to Yesh Miktsas Shilu Yibalevlad." Really, part of a fetus, the sac can come out without the child. The reason over there, where it's just the gezera, the gezera Miktsas Etukula. Since if the most of it or the majority of it emerges, then it would be it would be considered separated from the mother. So we make a gezera, and that wouldn't be allowed to be eaten. We make a gezera, it can't be eaten either if part of it emerges, but it's just a gezera. But in our case, we wouldn't necessarily make that gezera if it's only, if we have the principle, yesh mekzas shalya b'loi vlad, and maybe we don't start the tom on the first day. So Kamash Malan, actually, what Ulam Arshmul, Omar of Elazar, is saying is, ain mekzas shalya b'loi vlad, and maybe the tumah starts on the first day because it's very likely that the tumah actually began there as when it comes out, there is a baby inside of that, or the mimuach uh, dissolved inside of it, and the tumah should rightfully begin on the first day. Moving on to the second point in these six of Ulamar Belazar. Amar Ula Amar Belazar. Bechor Shenitra Pesach Shloshim Yom. So Rashi explains as follows. We know that the halacha is when it comes to pigeon aben, you wait till the 30th day, it's considered a viable child, and you do the pigeon, you do the redemption. Now, if a child, lo aleinu, um, dies before the 30th day, we don't do pigeon aben because that's not a viable child. The case we're discussing here is where the child was killed before the 30th day. So one could argue, really it was a viable child. Other circumstances killed it. But maybe you should still therefore do Pijin Aben even after it's died on the 15th day. 
So on this, Amr Ula Amr Velazar Bechorsha Nitra Petoch Shloshim Yom. If it was killed within thirty days, in Poydenesa we don't do Pidgin Aben. Bechain Tani Rami Barchama, and Rami Barchama illustrated this Mitayich Shenamar because since the pasuk says Padai Sifteh, you shall surely redeem. It sounds like in any scenario, Yochal Afilu Nitra Petoch Shloshim Yom. So you'd say even if it was killed within thirty days, you should still do Pidgin Aben. Talmud Loimar Ach Chalak. Therefore, it says Ach in the pasuk, which is the distinction. It's saying you wouldn't do Pidgin Aben if it was killed within thirty days. Moving on to the third point here of Ulamar Belazar. Amar Ulamar Belazar, Large animals like cows are acquired with Meshicha, which is pulling the animal from the rishus of the owner to the new owner's place or to a simta, something that's a publicly shared private sort of area. So it's acquired with Meshicha by pulling it, causing it to walk, or calling it, causing it to walk, etc. Asks the Gemara of Hanan Tanan Mesira. We learned to Mesechas Kedusha in the Mishnah, you have to do Mesira, which is passing over the reins. Where it says, Huda Omar Kiaitana, Ulamar Belazar hold like the following Brahsa Dittani Vachacham Maimrim, Zuba Zuba Meshika, both large and small animals are acquired with Meshika. So he holds like this Tana. And Rabishiman Aimer Zuba Zuba Agba, Rabishiman holds that you can acquire them both with Agba with lifting. And Rashi points out the Gemara and Kedushin had told us how you could do Agba on a large animal. You set up some sort of a platform like thing, causing them to be to ascend. That's the Agba. But the point is, Ulamar Belazar would hold like the Chacham. Halacha number four, when it comes to brothers who are dividing up their father's estate. Now, before they divided it up, they started to use parts of that estate. So not only would they have to divide up what remains, but even what they're already using, because really that's part of the original division. But also, and the clothing that they're wearing have to be included in the division because it wasn't yet divided up and they're wearing clothing from the estate. So when they come to court, they also have to divide up the value based on the clothing they're wearing. However, their children's clothing, since they're not coming to court also, it would be a bizayon to bring them to court, their moichel, that wouldn't be included in the division. Omer Papa commented on this, there are times that even what the Yorshim themselves, the brothers themselves are wearing, wouldn't be included in the division. There's a mechila. The oldest brother. Which means the oldest brother who's acting as the ambassador for the other ones to make sure that the things sell properly has to be respected. In order for people to take him seriously, he has to be dressed well. So the other brothers are mochel for him to be dressed nicely from the estate and that's not included in the division. Because the other brothers want his words to be heard and there will be a mechila that's not included in the, in the, in the final division. If a person gives something for a shimer to watch, and he gives that to another shimer, and then something happens that would happen if it would have happened by the first shimer, he'd be exempt. He'd be still exempt. Not only would this be true if the owner of it originally gave it to a shomer chinam who gave it to a shomer sachar because giving it to a paid watchman elevates the status of the shmira because there's more responsibility that a shomer sachar has even if a shomer sachar gave it to a shomer chinam which lowers the level of responsibility still the first one would be exempt because he gave it to a thinking person, a logical person, and therefore he would still be exempt. However, Rav Amar, Rav Aschaylik, and he says, Shemr if one Shemr gives it to another, the first Shemr is going to be responsible 
to pay back the original owner. Or to swear. Not only is this true, where Hashem Rasacha gives it to Hashem Rechinam, the exact opposite of Ula, where he lowers the level of the Shemir, even if he elevates the Shemir by giving it from Hashem Rechinam to Hashem Rasachar, the Omar Lay, the owners could say, I trusted you with a Shvua, but this other fellow, this other Shemir Sacha you gave it to, I don't necessarily trust him with a Shvua, and therefore you will be responsible to deal to, to pay me not that uh, person you gave it to final point sixth, sixth, sixth halacha of the day here for Ulam Arbelazar really the seventh but the sixth in this list Amr Arbelazar the halacha is this is a very vague halacha we're going to have to clarify but it means like this if there's a creditor who's coming to collect from one who owes him money he can collect from avadim as well we know avadim are hokshul karkois in general they're compared to Properties you can collect property and you can collect from the avadim in addition. Amr the Rav Nachman Ula Rav Nachman says to Ula, he said to Ula, Amr Rav Lazar Afilu Miatni. Did Rav Lazar say this halacha even from the assignment? Means it sounds like a chiddush. Well, what's the chiddush here? L'chari, the chiddush would be that if the father passed away and creditors come to collect from the assignment, well, they're only allowed to collect from karka. So maybe what you're saying is they could also collect from avadim because that's like karka. The Gemara says, "Loi mine." You know, Ula said, "No." Rabbi Lazar only had said it when he's collected from the credit, from the from the loi, from the borrower himself. But from the Yisayim, can't collect from from avadim. Says the Gemara, "Mine." I feel me got me glimed al kaspe. But if he's collecting from the loi himself, he could even collect from the shirt off his back. So what's the chiddush then to say he could collect from avadim as well? So the Gemara says, "No, there is a chiddush." He had made the Eved, the borrower had made the Eved in Apoitiki, which is the source of collection. It's an acronym. Apoitikoi, this is what you, the lender, can collect from. He made the Eved into that as is illustrated by Rava. Rava, as Rava says, if the Eved, if the Loive uh, made the Eved into the Apoitiki to be collected by the lender, and then he sold him off. The Alacha is, the creditor could go and collect from the purchaser of that Eved as it retains. Uh, the lien on it for the lender to collect. As opposed to, contrast, if the borrower made an ox the source of collection and sold it off, the balchayv cannot collect from that sold item. My time, what's the difference? Avadim are more significant. They're well known. So therefore, if I made it into a poitiki, it's known that there's a lien against it. You bought it as the purchaser, it's your loss, and my lender could still collect from it. A shore, the fact that a shore is a source of collection, you have a lot of shvarim, it's not as specific, and therefore if somebody buys it, it wouldn't be appropriate for the lender to be able to collect from it because it would hurt buyers in general. They wouldn't know about this necessarily. So says Ula, that's the Chiddush of Rabbi Lazar. Chiddush of Rabbi Lazar was that in a scenario where he sells it off, the lender could accept it still, but from the assignment, certainly the lenders would not be allowed to collect from Avadim. Turning to your base medalif, Lebasar de Nafak, after Nachman left the base madrish, Amr Lahu Ula, Ula said to the people, Hachi Amr Rabbalazar, actually Rab Nachman was right. Rabbalazar really said his Allah filumiyatmi, is that if someone comes to collect as a creditor of the father, he comes to collect from the Yisaimim, even there, that was the Khirish, he could actually collect from Karka as well. So Rav Nachman commented, Amr of Nachman, 
Ishtat min Ula. Ula avoided me. So Rashi explains, the reason he said this is, he didn't want to admit that Rav Lazar's halacha was even from the assignment, because Rav Nachman's position is, and Evid is like metaltalin. And if the Chiddush of Rav Lazar was that you can even collect as a creditor from the assignment, it doesn't make sense, because you can only collect from Karka, or something similar to Karka. So therefore, therefore Ula didn't want to admit that the Chiddush of Rav Lazar was that you can collect from the Avad and from the assignment, because that would seem to go against the idea that Avadim are metaltalin in this halacha at least. And Mela, he only admitted after I left because otherwise I would have challenged him and he was worried about my challenges. Farshim do speak out over here. We do say Avadim are like Karka. Perhaps that's only by Dairaisa rulings, but in terms of collection, which is perhaps rabbinic according to Rav Nachman, it's like metaltalin, or there's other chilukim that are given because we certainly find that Avadim are considered like Karka in other areas. We're stopping here. Top of Yud Beis Modalif, Ezra Hashem will continue discussing this point about Avadim's status in terms of payments collection tomorrow with Daf Yud Beis. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful day.